I want to welcome you to the new Drag Champ show. The three amigos are leading this show, none other than Jake Hodge, Mr. Hoodrich, Ryan Gleghorn, and Gary Don Free, Mr. Drag Champ himself. Now, I wouldn't ride to the store with these three yahoos, but you put them together for some good old stories, some racing news, some results from all over the world. Now, that's a party you just don't want to miss, so let's tune in, let's hang on, and let's get it on. I want to welcome you to the Drag Champ show. On the Drag Champ show this evening, we have a man that you certainly see in Winter Circle pictures, even though they're not usually his own. He is the father of one of the, if I'm not even going to say fastest rising. He's at the top of the game right now. And potentially just like adopted father of one of the hottest drivers in the country. Chris Galetti, how are you doing today? Very good. Very good. How are you guys tonight? Uh, I'm fantastic. I'm sitting here in my house. I bought a new air conditioner, so it's actually cool in the house. It's pretty awesome. You know, I live I live with old people, and they like it a little hotter than other people. So, like, in my room, it's it's a nice, probably about 68, 69. The rest of the house probably about 80. Hey, your mom's room would be 69 if she let me in. Oof. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, anyway. <laughs> that's, that's three weeks in a row, Leghorn. I think you're going to have to put a stop to this. It's fine. Whenever we get to the million, I'm going to stomp his ass in the ground in our little runoff, and it's going to be fine. Because I already know the rules to the race, and he doesn't. Yeah, I got that text from Britt. You go ready for a call? Or are you available for a call? And I said, yeah. That uh, yeah, was like four weeks ago. I'm still ready. <laughs> I never got it. But, um, Chris, what, what's it like? You know, a couple of years ago, everybody knows what happened at the million. You were like, you were either the most loved parent of drag racing or the most hated parent of drag racing. Um, and I know that you took that pretty personally. Can you, I want to start just there. Can we go back to that and just kind of go what your thought process was? Cause I know what your thought process was is, you know, that he knows he fucked up and you know that he knows where his limit is then. And you know that you're not afraid to put him back in a race car, but, but as a dad, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I've never experienced it, but what was going through your head at that point when, when, what was it? Four car? No, it was what was it, eight or four? Fourteen. I think it was, it was fourteen when he crashed. I think, and it was down to seven. Yeah, he had Scotty the next round. Correct, and you know, each round I kept going to him. I was like, dude, you can't, you can't keep going down there and parking. You're gonna eat it. You're gonna crash. It's gonna happen, son. You just haven't been there. I, you know, I haven't wadded one up that way, but I have crashed him, and I have uh, a lot of experience, and I realized that. It just the dew was setting in, it was getting cold, it was kind of damp, and it was just not a really good condition to drive that way. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, uh, it's, I think it's, at that point it was, it's sixth round in a million, and I've been parking every lap. I'm going down there and turning the wind light on. Well, he, and I looked at him and I said, Dude, if you crash it, your mom's going to kill me before I can even get down there. Because <laughs> <laughs> she was the one that sent me over there to say, Hey, you know, enough, you know, we hear the tires barking, screeching through there. Um, he was driving very aggressively and, and, and he made a, an error. He knew he made the error. And I, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't think he was going to make the lap. I told him, if anything, you got to get with the car and stage the car because there's tons of money sitting up there and the rest of the money's thrown away in that wadded up race car. Mm -hmm. So at any, I think we were going to get, a pretty good slice at seven cars. I think it was 10 or something there. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't massive, but it was something to go back towards the car. I said, look, get in the yellow car, go up there, and at least scare them into going red. 
And and I'm thinking, you're going to scare Scotty Richardson into going red. This is probably not going to happen. But, hey, <laughs> let's throw Hail Mary down there and see what happens. And this kid gets in there and does this burnout to about 100 feet out, which is him and Hunter's normal burnout these days. And 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 I'm like, uh, honey, I think he's going to run him for it. And Jerry said, no, he's just going to stage it. He's just going to stage it. And he backs it up, and he's barking the motor in reverse. And I looked at her, and I said, he's going to run him for it. <laughs> and he did run him for it. And, and Scotty's you know, we a few under or something, right? We were banking on Scotty either going red or going under because we knew it. Corey dialed 440s that he wasn't going to be able to do a whole lot with Corey on the finish line, knowing the, the rate of speed he's coming at him versus his dial. So Corey goes down there, and Corey never got to him and, and literally lifted way before the finish line. Scotty went under a couple thousand, and that's, you know, two things, strokes of luck right there. Um, he went on and ran Randall at four, I think it was. Yeah. And yeah, Randall that, and him had a really, really – it was a doozy. Okay, and him and Randall had a doozy at Vegas at the fling, if you remember. And, and I, Randall got the best of him. And went, yeah, right. We didn't get we, we didn't get a whole lot, but we didn't get shit actually to remember. But at the end of the day, him and you know Randall were, have been tangling pretty good. And man, he he, he in the semi to to put down the lap he put down with him. Uh, what do you say? I, I don't remember his life, but it was really, really tight, and, and it was a really tight race, and we were going to the final. Well, when we got up there, and Kenny pulls me to the side, which I've known Kenny for many years. We're a couple of guys over 50, and uh, he says, look, let's make sure both of us go home with six figures. It's 225, 125 to win, 100 to lose. And uh, I was like, uh-huh, oh uh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and cool. Corey kind of caught wind of that and proceeds to go up there. I think he's like 60-something in the final. But once he realized where we were and what we, what we were already getting, I, it, I would have loved to see him win it. Some people, you know, uh, unfortunately, Kenny, which won two of them, which is, you know, just spectacular in itself. I think his, his win was a bit diminished. Not to me. He's still going to be the uh, go down as one of the greatest ever. Um, and I hope Corey can can be called the same thing later down, you know, later down the road. Yeah, and I, and I think the original conversation, like whenever he got back to the trailer, was he was fine with just being done, right? Because you know, before you guys kind of sat no, down and had your out call. on the racetrack. No, when we're out on the racetrack, when we came out of when he came out of the ambulance, first thing he said to me is, "I'm done." Yeah, and I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, not, wait a second! Your wind lights on." He said, Dad, I'm done. My wife was like, giving me the look like, hey. And I said, look, all you got to do is put the car in the beam. Stage it. You, you're gonna, you, we need the money that's sitting up there to at least put you back to the other race car. Right. Because he legitimately killed that race car. And I don't, you know, <laughs> I don't remember how many times he flipped it. But for him to come out of there without a scratch on, I think he had a nick on his shin, on his right shin where it had hit the underside of the dash. But other than that, literally not a mark on him, not a mark on the helmet. Uh, you know, people give me shit, you know, the $15 an hour. They want to say the $15 an hour EMT took a look at him and you called it good. Um, the kid was coherent. He was never unconscious. He never never struck the wall, if you notice. He literally, uh, I, I think because of the way the car landed, it, it just never took a nasty hard impact. But 
it was gruesome looking from the starting line. It was horrible looking. And I left my wife at the starting line. I got on my scooter and about crashed into him at the crash site. <laughs> I, mean, I come in there so fast. And um, I didn't know what I was coming down to. All I knew is that I got to the car and he wasn't in the car. I didn't realize that he had already climbed out of the car and was over there against the wall. I'm screaming, where is he? My first thought is, he's not in the car. He came out of the car? Where is he? And, yeah. you know, and as soon as we make eye contact, we start arguing. Because <laughs> and, you know, we went at it like typical family would. Um, but, you know, thank God everybody was okay. And thank God he didn't get into slate. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't recommend doing that. But unfortunately, I did it myself at Pine Valley. I just was able to steer into it better. Um, <laughs> if you recall this thing. Locking it was up last year. Yeah, you drugged the back wheels, locked up smoking for about 150 feet. Yeah, after the finish line. I didn't. I hit the brakes really hard, and they stayed locked because I, I had to give it gas to get them going again. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was pretty long, but, you know, you can't drive that, that – you can't park at the mile an hour every single lap. Throw a curveball. Throw a slider. Throw a fastball. Throw them something different every time so they don't know what's coming. In my, you know, and and Corey's Corey's dialed hard recently. Anybody noticed? He don't do that. You know, he didn't do that two years ago. And I, I believe he learned his lesson. And I believe he's really uh, crafting his skill to to be able to do many different things behind the wheel. How many and black and miles did you smoke that night? How many what? So how many black and miles did you go through that night? Dude, I, I never really smoked them, but I chewed the tips right off of them. <laughs> I literally had pieces of plastic in my mouth, and I'm spitting them out because you couldn't imagine how exhilarating it is, first of all, to be a part of the million, to be uh, a part of, of, my, of your son going rounds and, and, and looking at the potential of winning it and crashing it and coming back and getting in another car. And, you know, I, you know there was a lot of people that were against us not just for Corey getting back in the seat, but it's a break rule. Right. You know, and the break rule was kind of put to the test there that others put in writing what they think it should be now. And the reality is yeah, that was a bit of controversy because I said, well, the car's broken. It's broken here. It's broken here. It's all broke up there in the front. <laughs> everywhere. Like and, a soup sandwich. Well, I mean, it, it's a broken race car. And uh, Randy – took into consideration what he was hearing from both sides, and he made a decision. Uh, some people agreed with it. Some people didn't. Some people disagreed with Corey even getting in the car again. Some people find it heroic. Some people find it idiotic, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. I don't really give a shit. Well, you know, it, it's it's that spoiled little bitch, you know. That's what everybody wanted to say. Oh, that kid, he, he doesn't appreciate his equipment. And I know for a fact I've seen him beat his brains out trying to make his equipment better like yes you provide a lot of the funding and all that but you know he doesn't just get a free ride <laughs> no no he wants and he was wanting to go change up the blue car here recently i'm like and we bought another car actually and and we're putting that together with the with the original we call it flipper combination <laughs> the original motor converter combination is going to this new american uh, it's not a new one it's a it's a used one it's, it's my actually, favorite car of all time uh, Honey Badger's car. Yeah, it was Josh Cranute. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to know who Josh Cranute is. 
he came in for like a very short period of time, but he had really nice stuff, and he actually did pretty well. And that car, I call it the paint gun car. It's got the, it's purple yep. and green, and it's got a paint gun that's right behind the cage. It's been airbrushed on. It's a super, super slick car. It's Zeller's, it's uh, one of Zeller's original personal cars, I believe. Yeah. And um, you know, it's got money maker in the in the airbrush, and it it it's got some really neat. Corey, I felt like the car he crashed had so it was a really unique car. This one is as well, paint job wise. Um, we're gonna bring five weapons to the game now uh, between the three dragsters because I sold the yellow car and got the Nova, and I really like the Nova. Um, if I could let go better, I'm gonna really turn a lot of lamps on that car. Uh, the the red car, the red American, you know, we've had it for years. These old cars have been good since we got it. Uh, my brother drives the S10. I, I, I bought that thing, made like 20 laps, and he drove it since. Uh, and he don't seem to really want to give it up lately. So, <laughs> you know, he, he, he can run top sportsman pro monitor that truck. He doesn't care. It doesn't really matter to him how fast it is. It's a level of competition. It's the, uh, it's, it's the excitement and the exhilaration. You know, we're, we're, we're doing this a long time. We're talking about Bob, right? Yeah, my brother Bob. Yeah, he uh, he drives for Cummins for Jeffrey Cummins NTG, and man, he's had a really good run over there. They they go really fast, and and they're really competitive and top sportsmen. He's won division championships, um, which are hard to come by. It's been some time since I chased that, but this bracket stuff has really got my attention. Uh, the the money is 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 astronomical numbers i would you know we could never have forecasted we're going to run for this kind of money uh the money is huge no and and look, could you i mean because i know you were back you were there back in the super 10 days could yes. you imagine when we were at the motorplex beating our shit up in the heat for 10 grand that one day we'd brace for a guaranteed million dollars no no i went to the million in 1997 which was a few years after it started, maybe a couple of years. I don't remember the first year exactly, but I was saying then, man, how in the hell are they going to come up with 500 entries? Well, there we were in Michigan last year in the summertime, and there were 700 and some odd entries for uh, what were we running for? Were we running for 525,000? Which is still an astronomical number when you put it into perspective. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was in bed um, before the split talk started. <laughs> You know, it's 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 really getting. You know, I was looking up the other day, and you know, I'm like twenty thousand dollars in pre-enter stuff from last year for this year, for this year of stuff that's rescheduled. So, what does it come to when 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 we're pre-entering the money up front a year in advance? And who'd have thought a virus would have came and changed it? You know, who who could have forecasted anything like that? And, but Nobody. but it's becoming. I hope that the money side of the the entry side and the cost to do it doesn't push away your average guy who can go in on any you know any given weekend at their local track. And man, the reality is, is if you can turn wind lights on anywhere, you can turn them on anywhere. Uh, you don't have to be perfect every lap. Uh, well, those of us that have laid down perfect laps, man, that doesn't win the entire race. It just doesn't. And you know, the moment I've laid down a perfect lap. I'm throttling back from there. You know, I'm not going to try to do that again. <laughs> and I what, what's, that, didn't. What, what's the saying? Anybody can win being double O? 
Anybody can. Anybody, I could win being 20. Just ask freaking Cleghorn over there. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we were at Lufkin. We threw this high roller shootout. I think it was like two or 300 to enter, winner take all. And Chris was no better than 21 before the final. In the final, I think he was 17. Yeah, and I, I, I had a good yes. tight one down there. I got beat. Uh, yeah. So we going five thirties with an open face and my cigar. Yeah. That's <laughs> and you have no idea how comfortable it is to chew on. A, it's it's like Grumpy used to do it. <laughs> thing, you know that was the, I got a nice tip with no spit hanging out the end of it. <laughs> Grumpy so, Galetti. There's a new nickname. No, we we got the nickname that stuck. We just got to get people to use it. What's that? But Popeye. Popeye. He always looks like Popeye. He's always got one hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> you know what? Recently, I, I haven't been messing with him until I get to the track. That's how I quit smoking cigarettes, 2014. I just chewed on them cigars for years. So and he smoked cigarettes since. So we're like, you're better known these days as like Corey's dad. But yeah, that's like early to late 90s, you won it a lot. Like uh, I see a lot of trophies there behind you. And a lot of that uh, isn't Corey's. No. So, so take 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 us back to those days for a minute. None of them Holy. are Corey's. Wow. <laughs> Not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> for those Just of you listening, the there is a shit ton of trophies behind I him. I would say oh. 40 on the wall behind him and probably another 20 in the stack on the other side. I, I, I was as good as I once was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> take, take, us, take us back to those days. What did it look like for you? What, what were you in and, and what were you racing? You know, uh, I ran a – I did it the hard way, man. It's kind of like going to school uphill both ways in the snow. Uh, I ran a 23T altered roadster, and it was running 540s to 560s back then. And if you can win in a front-engine roadster, um, you're, you're, you really re- have honed your skills. I actually uh, won one year and run it up one year in the bracket finals, IHRA side. Went up to uh, Louisville, Kentucky, ran for 10 grand on a practice tree. And man, it was some time back, it was year 2001. But a damn pig farmer averaged like a two light over 10 hits and took all the, took the 10 grand with him with, as well. Were but you I the mean, pig I've farmer? Some, what's that? Were you the pig farmer? No, no. I was a jackass from Texas. Just, no. <laughs> I don't even remember where he was from, but. You know, there was names there that that I still hear today. Chad Trailer comes to mind from Flavor Flay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I he he had won that division over there, and we all ran each other on the practice street. Um, you know, I had some some success from '06 to about 2013, and then I bailed. I went to a, a big motor and, and started trying to go real fast with a 900 inch fuel injected motor that I didn't know nothing about. Uh, and I still don't know nothing about fuel injection. I still struggle with even a carburetor if it gives me trouble. But um, you're talking about the top sportsman stuff. Yeah, I had some real. I had four division championships in top sportsman. Uh, one of them in top dragster. Uh, the the top sportsman Firebird man. I would take that thing everywhere. I'd go across the country. I'd go to the fifty grander in Michigan with that thing. It's bring fourteen nitrous bottles with me. It was. Uh, <laughs> It was fun to run dragsters ten years ago, going four sixties and seventies with a door car at about a buck fifty three because of the weight. 
and the nitrous I might add, because I turn it on after it leaves. Uh, that way I can get a nice clean tree without trying to annihilate the racetrack the first 10 feet. There's but, one thing I've learned is dragsters do not like being chased by a door car. It's, it's a motorcycle thing. No, it's the brain, brain effing that they can't get past. Uh, I did like <laughs> that part of it. Um, I almost bought another top sportsman car or similar top sportsman car before I bought the Nova. But I don't think the really fast car is the best weapon for what we're doing in the conditions we race in, and, and especially at night when when the track condition may not be optimal. So you mean I, at five I, in the morning when you're racing for a 5K final at Ardmore? That's it. That's if I can stay awake. That's where these kids are beating up on me. They could stay up longer than me. Okay, <laughs> I function at 3 a.m. I just don't function. I got to take naps during the day. Uh, when there's a big car count, 700 cars, I'm taking naps between rounds because I'm never going to make it with them until five in the morning. Um, I, I think the latest I've been in recent years, three, three thirty, and able to pull one off in Lufkin. But man, that that's an endurance challenge. Uh, I still get up at the crack of dawn. I don't care what time I went to sleep. If the lights up, I'm up. Uh, it's an age thing, I believe. As you age, you just your body clock or your responsibility level forces you into getting up. <laughs> Ron and I do not have that. No, no, these two guys looking, do not have that, Chris. I was looking at you other guys in that responsibility level thing. Yeah, hey, I'm, will, damn, uh, I'm damn near fifty, and I, I got plenty of responsibility. So I don't know about these two, though. I'm just stoked because I bought an air conditioner. I feel old enough. I haven't been to work in two weeks. My man, <laughs> you were in that place long enough. It's fine. Yeah, speaking of work, the the. When we were in Vegas, maybe not last year, the year before, when Foghorn got to drive Dan Provo's drag strip. <laughs> that was last year. Okay. This thing rocks. Okay. This thing is fast. And in Vegas, what did it go, Ryan? I, I went 432 at 163, 164. Okay. Put that in perspective. That's Vegas. Okay. That's a 420-something anywhere else. Yeah. That's that's rocking and rolling. <laughs> Corey, Corey fell in love with that blower last week. I don't know if anybody noticed. Oh, yeah. Um, the blower's getting really popular really fast. Uh, kind of like the shorty got popular. The, the blower is really popular right now. I mean, this thing, same motor, same um, uh, everything. I'm sorry, we put pistons in it and a blower and a big carburetor on it. And this thing picks up three-tenths and 12 miles an hour. Wow. Pretty exciting. And minimal minimal money spent. No camshaft change. No, no. I mean. Best four grand ever spent. About four grand. Yeah. Best four so, grand ever spent. Um, I don't know. It's easy horsepower. It's very repeatable. Uh, it's very loud. I've noticed they're obnoxiously loud. They throw <laughs> yes. fireballs on the chip. I don't know if anybody noticed Kenny Underwood throwing fire, chunking fire at everybody. <laughs> um, and I even louder when they put the when they put the zoomies on those damn things. That's the worst. I I'm not a zoomie fan. It's loud enough that just makes it louder, and it gives it a, a strange sound. It doesn't have that crisp. Sounds like a, sound. It sounds like a like an old hit and miss tractor is what it sounds like with zoomies. Yep. Yeah, or dump truck maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, so how fast is too fast? And when we're bracket racing at, like you said, three or four in the morning, 
at what point do we say, well, do we keep, we all keep going 430s and 450s or you know, does you the know, 460, 470 car still have some power or have enough? But I'm thinking on like, you know, the way uh, Brits formatted the million where I don't think we're going to be running at four or five in the morning. I think we're going to be running at eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And I think the fast car will be good for that. But if you take me to the normal million, I want to bring my 460 weapon or my door car at 530s and 20s. I, I definitely, um, I don't think the fastest car is going to win all these races. Although, you know, Eli McGee oh, down there in Gulfport ran him over a, a couple of months back, a few months back, and he was rocking it. What was it, 428 or something? Four. He's down 418 or 413 in the final. Damn. Yeah, I mean, so that tells you how much he was carrying too, because yeah. uh, you know he dialed anywhere from four thirteen to four twenty something. So yeah, no. it can be done. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a game we're all going to play. And I, I I don't necessarily think the fastest car is the best weapon for every race. No. So so you don't want to have to pull out the Brian Lampton like round five or six of the million in the Pro Charger car last year. Is that, he, is that what he did when it broke? Yeah, when the other one broke. No, did you see what he did? The door oh. car's dialed 640 or 650. He dialed 580 in the 14 Pro Charger car and took 6,000. He's the hero. Oh, that was, that, <laughs> was a, that was a man lap. Yeah, that's that a hero lap there. Because that takes a real good, nice pair of balls to pull that off. <laughs> yeah. There's more than confidence. He takes the balls. And, hey, if you can back it up, and he just did. so He was, like, he was like 12 takes 6. And I mean, he only went like 112 miles an hour. Wow! Yeah, that's hard yeah, it's wild. Um, so, like, whenever you roll into these deals, obviously you pick and choose your races pretty wisely because Texas, I've learned, is not fucking close to anything anywhere. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, even even other things in Texas are not close. Um, yeah. But you know what? At what point do you say like, hey, this race is probably something we, like what you did at Norwalk, where you hit. Like what one one on the way here or something, but you know we we try to make two and three week runs out of it when we can. Um, you know the the numbers stack up at like the Norwalk. You know when it's forty grand to win, it's twenty thousand to runner up, it's five thousand to the semis, and that may that numbers may not be exactly correct, but it's pretty close to it. Those are races we want to hit because we know they're going to split anyway. And when you're piling that kind of big money down the line, it just makes more for everybody to get, so to speak. And, you know, others were kind of agitated with Kenny not wanting to split at 14. But again, another confident pair of balls that's willing, you know what? If I win here, I've got the bite of the semi. No way. I didn't blame him. I still to the second don't blame him. I know others did, but. This is an expensive chess game. This is an expensive place to get drunk with your friends. Yeah. Um, there's a lot on the line, man. There really is. So he strategized. And once again, Mr. Kenny was correct. It worked out perfectly. He executed it as well. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but he was better than his opponent when he had to be. And that's the name of this game, man. To win, it's not easy. And the execution is is a is a difficult thing at times. And that um, decision that decision he made benefited both of you guys. It benefited, benefited us heavily. We ended <laughs> up with six figures where nobody else would have otherwise. Yep. 
Um, speaking of the Nor the Norwalk trip, I want to hear the story about the Great Wolf Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> There's no Jeff, Sarah. <laughs> Go dogs! This guy is one of the one of the he's one of the hottest drivers out there too. I mean, this guy can win anywhere. And and what did I tell him? I said I said. You know, it's really hard to win everywhere these days. It's really hard to win anywhere these days. He looks at me and says, no, it's not. What's hard is the entry fee. <laughs> I thought to myself, holy shit. I don't have much problem with the entry fee. I want to win. The hard, the win, the hard part is winning, but that's the way Jeff looks at it. Um, Jeff can win anywhere he goes, but he has a creative mind. And one night he decided to drink a – a lot of fireball, okay? And we didn't make some very good decisions, and he made some really – he made a decision that he was going to go down the water slide. And, and did, you, did, you not, did you not tell him that he wouldn't? I said I got the dumbest thing I ever said. I got a whole <laughs> bunch because your dumb ass ain't going down the water slide. Right? Okay, look here, retard. There's security everywhere. There's chains. There's fences. There's gates. <laughs> This is Jeff Sarah, okay? <laughs> and Jeff Sarah was going down the water slide. So after they run us off from the bar because we had too much and it was over, it was, time, it was closing time, somehow or another we got separated because he lost his wallet. Now, this dude never lost his wallet, but that's what he told the security guards that he lost his wallet inside the water park. That's how <laughs> we, I don't know how he got into the water park. Let's just say... I go outside, and Sean and his girl are in my motorhome on the couch sleeping. I wake Sean up and like, look, dude, I know we've had too much drink, and you went to bed before we did, but <clears throat> I can't find Jeff. And he says he's going down the slide. You got his phone number? <clears throat> so he FaceTimes Jeff. <laughs> and Jeff is on the top of the water slide, <laughs> earning his $100. <laughs> And you can see, as he points the phone behind him, you can see security coming after him. <laughs> okay? This was about 3, 3.15 in the morning. I'm crying laughing. I cannot, and I'm ready to give my 100. It was well worth every penny. So I go to sleep. I don't think anything of it. And then I'm woken up by the Popo and every security guard in the place with a Jeff Sarah in hand. And they are going to release me to a said Chris Galetti. Do you have ID? This was on this was on your toter home outside the building. Dude, that cop hit the side of my motorhome so hard I thought I was gonna have to kick somebody's ass till I opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized the only ones that get their ass kicked was probably me. <laughs> so I see Jeff back there laughing, smirking like a fourteen year old kid smirking <laughs> like a fat kid on cake. Okay? And <laughs> I'm talking with the officer, and yes, sir, I'm Chris. Yeah, let me go inside and get my, my ID. And <clears throat> yes, sir, uh, we've had way too much to drink, and I apologize in advance for anything he may have done. Oh, he said, you have no idea. Okay, okay no problem. Uh, I, I get my ID. They release him to me. I said, look, I'll keep him I'll keep him out of trouble. He'll be in here. I go back to sleep. hour later, right at daybreak, they bang on my door again. This time it's all of the... Is it Kalahari? What was it called? Kalahari. Yeah. Yeah, one of those. Kalahari. Every security guard in Kalahari is there. And the guy that obviously Jeff snookered is there. <laughs> and he's pissed off. 
And Jeff is leaving regardless. And if Jeff's not leaving, every race rig in the parking lot is leaving in the next 10 minutes. I look over at Bug McCarty's rig and I realize this probably ain't going to go well if Bug's got to leave because we're a bunch of idiots. Oh, boy. I was like, Sean, you got to get up and get him out of here. <laughs> and Sean took him away. And I seen him at the next race, and he said, I don't really remember a whole lot. Can you tell me? No way. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gave him the hundred. <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a quick Jeff Sarah story that is just along those lines. I'm at Victor's house, and at this time, I'm well, I'm not at his house, but I was down the road, and I get a phone call at 2.30 in the morning, and it's Richard, Victor's twin brother, and he says, hey, on your way to Victor's in the morning, because we were going to Rockingham for 20 grand on Sunday, on your way to Victor's in the morning, I need you to stop at the shop and pick up Jeff, and I said, Jeff who? It's 2.30 in the morning. He said, Sarah, and I said, what's he doing at the shop at 2.30 in the morning? He said, he's not, but he's on his way. He'll be sitting outside. <laughs> okay well somehow some way he was on his way through georgia with sean and him and sean stopped at a bar for lunch and sean was ready to leave and jeff wasn't done drinking well no. jeff ended up jeff ended up <laughs> shutting the bar down and sean left him there he said i you know we got we got places to be um somehow i go by the shop he's not there so i'm like fuck it you know he's he's not coming whatever i, sh I pull in victor's driveway which is not anywhere in town anywhere near a town and I'm like, hey, Vic, I, I'm supposed to pick up Jeff. I don't know, you know, where he's at, but we need to roll out like in 10 minutes. He's like, oh, he's down asleep in the back of the truck. And I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, yeah, he's passed out. Like, he smells terrible. He ain't got a change of clothes. Uh, he he rolled, rolled in my driveway at 530 in an Uber. An Uber, it was a $172 Uber ride to get to Victor's, Victor's driveway. We have no idea how he got there. He slept from here to Rockingham, woke up one time at a gas station to piss, and I think he, like, quarterfinal, running up, or semifinal, something in Richard's car. He's never set in going 520s in a door car. Probably not fully with it. The guy's amazing. He oh. is amazing. He oh, really can be. He knows how to turn on wind lights, I can tell you that. He's so yeah. talented, but it's almost infuriating to watch <laughs> yep. him and be like, how – do you do this in this condition? Well, he beat he beat me at four on Sunday, and it was him, Sean, me, and uh, the Duggins kid, Par's son. And I walk up and say, "Hey, Sean, you know, do you want to you want to do something right here? It's zero dollars to lose at four. Who's at the the shootout? They took the runner of the semifinal. They're supposed to get the hundred grand entries at the million. And I, Sean's like, "Yeah, man, that's cool. He's like, whatever Jeff wants, we'll go with that. So he like walks over and talks to Jeff for a minute. And Jeff's like, ah, boss's orders, no split. I'm like, really? There was no boss's orders. Like, you and Sean just did a deal between yourselves. And, and you know, it wasn't like that's not what beat me. But just because just he knows. Like, he knows that, you know, he's at an advantage right now. He's dialed 460. I'm going to fucking door car going 550. He knows he's there. He knows, you know, his odds of him and Sean are pretty good. And uh, he ends up beating me there. But, like, it's just – it's remarkable. And I think that – I think if he stayed sober all weekend, he'd be horrible. You know, I, I think – He'd fall out of the car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what? He he consistently does it week in, week out. Um, I'm, I'm impressed by his talent, and I'm impressed by the thrill seeker that he actually is. 
I can't hang with him. I tried. I actually did drink fireball with him the whole time. I just didn't go down the slide. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> uh, he's a fifth anyway. He, he did try to, he tried to knock my motorhome window in one time at four o'clock in the morning. Come out and drink with me. <laughs> Man, he like, became one of the reasons why I locked the door on the motorhome. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, Saturday night, Glenn Horn. Mm hmm. Bluffkin, Bird, yeah. Samlin, Nate Dog. I locked the door before I went to bed. <laughs> I know better. I saw a picture of Sandlin in your car at who knows what time. Now, we were a little into the Patron and Fireball, Oof. and that's a terrible mixture, okay? <laughs> and I can handle the Fireball. The Patron is like drinking turpentine to me, or well, any tequila it is anymore. I, I, feel like, I feel like Sarah is like what Nate Dogg was before social media. Like when Nate, Nate Dogg was about that age, I feel like that's – Probably pretty identical. You're spot on. Spot on. <laughs> Nate Dogg, spot on. Nate Dog is just a, an older Jeff Sarah. Oh, God. He's wild. The, the field, the him knocking over the field jugs in Vegas, I'll never forget that. Me neither. It hurt watching. Okay. God. Anybody that sets up empty fuel jug and face dives or literally dives from 15 feet from the jugs to try and take them all down is having too much. <laughs> the, the first couple he did, he didn't jump too high. It didn't look that bad. Plus, you know, you armor all the floor real good in the trailer because everyone knows you're a clean freak. There's D-rings in the slippery floor. Okay. <laughs> but and that last he, one. <laughs> he says, my sternum hurts. He literally dove onto his chest. From up high off the ground. That last one was, it hurt everybody when he come down. Just, just thinking of drinking stories, wasn't it you that turned Labusa's power off in the water box at the Galop Fling because of what he did the night before, and he just went? I, he thought I did. I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. I do know this. I come out, my parents <laughs> are outside the door of the trailer, and the trailer door is closed. <laughs> find my golf cart anywhere. Anywhere. It's at the eight-mile stripe on the cone sitting in the middle of the racetrack. They're asking me to come get it. I didn't, I didn't put it there. I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck put my chutes out behind my shit. And I look over two trailers later, oh, down, and there's Troy Williams' shit, all parachutes, all loud everywhere, trailer door up. And I'm looking at Troy, and he's looking at me, and he says, where's LaBoose? <laughs> oh, God. I'm lost kind of bit, kind of a bit. So the next the – next... uh, uh, We got – I met LaBoose in Atco at the bar some years back. I, I knew who he was. He knew who I was, but we really didn't know each other that well. I knew his dad from years back, but um, I just I kept buying him shots of Fireball, and he kept drinking them. <laughs> I'm not sure whose fault it was, but it was fun to watch him make an ass of himself. <laughs> well, that that at the at the fling that next day, I said, "Bud, I said, what happened last night?" And he said, he just put his head down and said, "Hell, drunk John was here, and I can promise you, you won't see him the rest of the fucking weekend." <laughs> <laughs> I remember him saying something like that. He is clever as shit, that Johnny. He comes up with the funniest stuff. He's like the creeper in the closet you don't think's ever listening, 
And then it's like, just boom, it's one liners after another. And, you know, at, at the fling, I said, I said, little John at the fall fling, I said, how do you like, how do they play dice? And he said, you want me to show you? And I said, yeah. And he said, give me a hundred bucks. I'm like, all right. He comes back. He said, here, that's how and he hands me 700. I'm like, here, here's another hundred. Go play that again. I'm sitting there watching. I don't get any of it. And, you know, and this is all cordial. You know, he, he's just joking with all these guys. He's friends with all these gambling guys. He kept saying, throw that nice light skin, throw that nice light skin. <laughs> One after another. <laughs> and he kept bringing me wads of money. And then like, after the final round where Cable run it up, he came back. He said, we out. And I said, what do you mean? He said, we out. And I said, what do you mean we out? Because he had like 1,500 of my dollars gambling with it. I was cool with it. You know, whatever. He said, we bet the house on black and white won. And I was like, oh, we out. He bet $1,800 on Tommy Cable in the water box in the final round of the fling, king of the fling. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, that's the same night. That's the same night him and Slate had a little tussle in the trailer. So, yeah, there's been a tussle too, like the million last year with Champ and uh, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> that was the cutest fight I ever watched in my entire life. Well, I can tell you this: if Mikey ever puts his cigarette out and drink a Champ's drink again, I think Champ's gonna go after him again. <laughs> <laughs> so great! I didn't see it. But I okay, so we're at hugging like brothers. <laughs> oh man. We were at – what's the name of that bar in Montgomery that we always go to? Players? Is that the name uh, of it? Starts players. with a two. I think it's Players. I don't know. But we were playing a pool game, and everything's fine. And then Mikey – there was an ashtray next to Champ. I guess Champ doesn't like cigarette smoke. No. And Mikey puts a cigarette out either in accidentally in his drink or just by him, and he told him not to. And he told me to do whatever the fuck he wanted. And they were messing around. Next thing I know, they're scrapping. They're going out the front door, <laughs> like not even like really throwing any punches. It's more of like a stand-up wrestling match. They're just in, they're just in a grapple, and then, then they get separated. And we're kind of looking at like more people are laughing than are worried. And then they get back together, they like hug, and then they start playing pool again. Like nothing ever happened. Everyone else in the bar that wasn't racers are right, looking at the situation like. The fuck are y'all doing? It was Nate Dog who was playing with him, acting like Rocky Balboa, and takes a quick jab and actually tagged him in the eye. That's how he got yeah, the he black got Mikey. <laughs> I don't know if Champ ever it's got him a... in the eye or not, but I know Nate Dog did just play it around on accident. Yeah, and Mikey had this big old welt on his eye the rest of the weekend. <laughs> hey, you want to see two friends go at it? Let Nate Dog and Troy Williams Jr. drink Fireball and have an arm wrestling match. No, sir. There is a nuclear war going on because Troy will tell you, ain't nobody ever whooped his ass. Apparently, he's not Gary. And Nate Dog, you know, he swears up and down he's never lost an arm wrestling match ever. And those guys, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, they are screaming outside my motorhome in Montgomery on the back of this golf cart at each other. Fuck you, what? They're just going at it. I mean, and they like, nobody wins, and they just walk away. <laughs> two, uh, two of the uh, two of the greats right there as well. Oh my gosh, million dollar winners! All right, Chris. Um, so we cut off the conversation earlier, but we had a conversation in the green room, as I call it, before we started recording about when you're towing to the races nowadays with with uh, Chris, with Corey, and and Hunter with you and yourself. And you said that it, you know you feel like you got a shot everywhere you go to win, and that's pretty cool, but. 
you know, what is that? Like, what, where are you going off to these big races competing against the you know, 700 other competitors and going in, rolling in, knowing you got some bad dudes with you. So, you know, the, the kids actually push me sometimes either into just totally duffing it up worse or, or stepping up. Um, <clears throat> I, I wish I could race at the level they do week in and when it week out, I, uh, have some good spots and I have some not so good spots, but when, when, when we, when me, right now, me, Kanan, Burt Barrio, uh, Hunter Patton, and Corey Galletti are pretty much running together. And anywhere we go, especially Corey and Hunter, and Kanan's coming into his own, he has really good equipment, and he doesn't drive too bad for a guy who's only behind the wheel a couple, three years. But uh, I feel like anywhere we pull in, I don't care what area of the country it is um, or, or what we're racing for, I think uh, – these the, one of us can put it on the dance floor. Our equipment's really good. Um, we're getting really good stuff from Marco Abruzzi, from Chris Wilson. Uh, Hunter uses a little bit different uh, uh, motor guys. The Kane, Corey, and I are pretty much Wilson and Marco exclusively. And man, the combinations are working. The blower car's going really fast. Uh, Corey's combination is really fast, really consistent. Um, Kanan's car ran really good last week. Uh, Ryan was there. I mean, bottom 440s, and they're not even leaning into that thing. It's got three pounds of boost on it right now. I think that thing was out 444 all weekend. It really was very, very repeatable, very consistent. It's making its own air. It's doing a good job. Um, before before we get into, like, you know, this is a Chris Gulletti podcast, but something I've always wanted to know is at, at what age did you know Corey was going to be something special in this sport? Like, what age did it finally click with him? Like, I get it now. Because he was really good in the junior drag, if I remember right. Yeah, we started juniors when he was eight. He won his first race back then. But, you know, that, that 1290 is a pretty tough deal. And some it, it's almost a luck into a victory sometimes. I'm there right um, now. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. I realized when he was probably – well, you know what? At three years old, this kid's running around the racetrack with two Walmart bags behind him catching air for parachute. So you kind of you kind of knew that that's a bit in his blood because that's all he's been around. But when he was about 13 years old, if I reached back there and touched the idol, if, if I felt like he was too tight in the tree and I wanted to change the idol to change the tree, I couldn't move it without him knowing it. When I knew he knew the sound, knew the feel, knew what was going on, um, where I couldn't even adjust. And he wasn't afraid at 13, 14 years old to carry a tenth, to carry a second, if that's what it took. He got to the point where he's like, you know what? I'm not going to take this shitty tree when it's with the thing all jumbled up. I'll just leave with him and drive him through. And some of the parents really did not take kindly to that. <laughs> When you when Corey's going eight ninety and he's running a thirteen second car and he's carrying five seconds, it sounds really bad on the racetrack. Okay, and you just started. You just started to go to the trailer. Well, my brother said, "Get him out!" And when he was sixteen, and he was really, really driving the junior well, even at you know when he was driving the big car too. My brother's like, "He's clubbing baby seals. Get him out of there!" <laughs> <laughs> The massacre is wrong. Stop it. And, you know, like we, we did, he didn't run much when he was 18 at all. But his 17, you know, he ran a little bit. And once he won the million, 
He's like, Dad, there's no way I'm going to let an eight-year-old beat me. There's no way I'm going back to junior. And he didn't. He didn't run much of the juniors after the million. Um, the recognition he he got right away. Some good, some bad. Um, and to this day, some of the funniest memes ever came from that million, in my opinion. That uh, one, and then the one of him running out of gas at Vegas. Those, oh, that was awesome. Top tier meme quality. What I mean, what what can you do with that? Like once is like a, a fluke, twice is like shit happens, third time and fourth time and like the fifth time, like the Glock fling. I took a video of him pushing the golf cart back. Like <laughs> he, has, he has run the race car out of gas. He's running the golf cart out of gas. And yes, he was following me home from Motorplex. And I said, come on, dude, you'll make it down to the truck stop. And he ran the truck out of gas, too, all within like a month or two or whatever. Uh, and by the way, in Vegas, I think the entry was like $1,000. It was like eight fifty. The car falls in the burnout. And I see him pumping the gas. I see nothing happen. And I ask him, has it got gas in it? Yeah, it's got gas in it. Ain't got no gas in it. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't got no gas in it. No way. It was it was it not Corey? I I feel like one of the junior kids like Corey. Was it wasn't he somewhere that he'd put his car on the stand and rock it off the stand if it, if nobody was there with him? Was no, not, we no, got it on the dolly and we were coming down the hill at Bristol. My wife <laughs> and uh, Donnie Casey and the car came off the dolly going down the hill. You know how steep that hill is at Bristol? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This thing, I don't know how fast it got going, but it took the front wheels and made them point at the back wheels. Yeah. It hit yeah. the pole so hard. I know just there, how steep it is. I watched Corey throw a trash barrel off of it. Now, that was an awkward scenario, as, as you can imagine. Coming over the hill, and I realized everybody's – gathered up down there and what happened what's wrong well i get there and the freaking car is twisted backwards i mean it was terrible uh luckily he wasn't in it nobody was hurt didn't hit anybody the story would have been much better had it not struck that pole because it was kind of squared up on the cop car at the bottom of the hill <laughs> now if there was ever going to be a good story i would think plowing the junior into the cop car would be one <laughs> And not the blue car into the pavement at the million. Yeah. I got to get the charge. <laughs> All right, let me go. Hang on one sec. Let me get plugged in here. I can't believe you live on 1%. My wife said I talk too effing much. Well, <laughs> coming from her. Um, also, that, that does remind me. What was with the, the Facebook joining? Did you finally just have enough of, you know, like, did you see this or did you hear that? And you just said, you know, I actually was very uninformed and I was on Corey's just, I was, Corey had got on my phone at one time and got on Facebook and did whatever you had to do to get on there. So I realized that I could just type F and it showed Facebook and I clicked it and bam, I was on Facebook. Well, for about six, eight months, I'd go through there and read. I, some of it would piss me off. Some of it was good information. And then we got into this COVID thing and I just got bored stiff and they took Corey said, you're off my Facebook. And I had been off of it for like a week. And I said, look, let me just let me on it for about 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give me five minutes. And Corey said, you know what? I'm getting you on Facebook. And uh, he got, I wanted to get on the Galetti Racing page, but he wouldn't let me. He made me start. How many times do you want to like 
comment on something, you're a dumbass. Like how many times do you see something you just and you just refrain from it because a lot of well, us just do it anyway. Uh, you know, I I realize there's a lot of people watching on Facebook. Okay, and if anybody would look like an asshole fast, it would be me. <laughs> um, I I try I I. I do find more information race-wise than you will on just regular their regular websites. You know, the racetracks are not using the website anymore. They are using face place as I call it face place. Um, Cause everybody's got a face on it. So uh, it, 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 it's addicting and it eats up a shit ton of time. And some of it's ridiculous and some of it's hysterical. Um, some of the double O shit show stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm material. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you know where the picture coming out of the tractor came from? I do. <laughs> I took that and I'm like, man, this is a perfect opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I'm the, I'm the cover photo for double O shit show right now. So I feel you. So, you know what I mean? You got to make it somehow, buddy. Oh yeah. No, if this is making it. I'm doing a really shitty job of it, but so, so like you, you talked about, spanking you talked about marco and stuff but you're pretty involved at rad and, and torque tools and all that stuff your day-to-day -day life you know that enables you to be able to go drag racing when you want but like it's not all like cherries and berries you know you you put in the work and i know that you know Corey's starting to to get into the business a little bit and like how hard is it for you to go on those two and three week swings and whenever you've got people that depend on you well, with technology today, a lot can be done just in communication from the phone, from email, but the business has evolved to the point to where now we're getting buried where I, I, I can't take that kind of time. And, and we are, we did race less last year than we, 2018 was a huge year for us. It was a huge year racing. It was a huge year for business. Last year was a, was a, was a huge year for business. And, you know, not, I mean, we did okay. We, we can hold our own pretty much anywhere. But like I said, to go anywhere and win every week, every, anywhere across the country is a difficult task, much less at your weekly points bracket race. Just to win on a weekend, week out basis, anywhere is very difficult. So uh, we don't want to take the fun out of it. Um, we still race as a family. I mean, hell, me, Corey, Dad, Bob were all at the same race last week. Uh, all the race cars were there. Good stuff. You know, that, that, that's, that's what it's all about. And how much of that, the decision-making of going racing, how much of that was, is in through your head like, hey, the getting's good right now, so let's go get it? Is there any of that, you know, because, you, you know, just like we talked about before we went on air, Corey's just in a slump. Corey's not driving bad. Corey's not making bad decisions. He's just pulling in the lanes wrong. He's in a slump. It happens. I've been in one for about seven years now. So, like, how much of that? How much of that thought process is like? I know right now when we pull to the lanes that we're in the back of somebody's head. So, how much do you like base your decisions off of that? Also, I strategize once we're there. Once we get some laps in, really and truly, our races don't start till the fourth round, fourth or fifth round. You know, before you can really get serious, like, hey. Uh, we're squared up, and, and we're in a position right now to put four or five rounds under our belt. You know when your car is good. You know when you're good. You know when you feel it and when you don't. These kids feel it every time they're there, every time they let go. They're going to set up for two, and they're pissed off if they're six. You know, and, and I'm set up for seven, and I'm fucking happy if I'm 14 or, or one. 
You drive by it and say, well, it's green, I guess. Did you see my Mother's Day gift to all the dads that dial on us? <laughs> and Corey tagged you in it. He did. You know why? Because when I race him, I dial honest, and he doesn't like it because he makes a mistake most of the time. I don't know why I should uh, be a threat to him, but and he he does make some mistakes with me. He makes more mistakes with me than he does with others. Um, but I promise you, before my driving career is over, this will be lopsided to his side. I'm sure. Well, you know, he grew up watching you get all of those trophies and behind you. Like that—that's got probably got a little bit to do with why it pisses him off. But because he knows what you can do, and you're just doing it to piss him off. He—he he gets pissed when I come back and I'm 20 in the tree holding the wind line. He was seven dead five and can't win the lap. And 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 they're trying to cut this that. Off. Well, you know, he's seven dead or seven take six last weekend. And he had, was holding a yellow slip. And I was over there. I think I was 24 and dead six for a 30-pack or dirty 30-pack for victory. Um, that pisses him off when I win that way. Uh, and I can only be grateful for my victory and see if I can put up some better numbers the next lap. He's uh, him and Hunter both. They laugh at me when my light's on. <laughs> uh, you're like one of the last people to get on the DRR message board and I really just have one question I ask this to everyone who's ever been on it how much do you hate Ed? you know I don't really hate Ed I just strongly just fucking like him <laughs> <laughs> I, I met, I met him at PRI last year I was like and oh I, my gosh. I hate to say I dislike someone I've never met and from what I hear in person, he's he's really he's he's a cool dude. But maybe he is, maybe he isn't. What I won't allow is someone to discredit someone else's efforts because they may not have as good equipment as you, or may not have as much money as you, or may not have the fancy haircut you have, or maybe fucking ugly and you're handsome. Nobody's better than anybody. I don't care how much money you got, or what you look like, or who you're with, or what you do. And I will not stand for someone to call someone others uh, someone else's equipment junk or or just put somebody down or bully anyone for that matter i'll take an ass whipping if you want to bully someone in front of me that if if you can kick my ass out of <laughs> I, I don't know who ed is but i believe you I, i've never been on drr message board or <laughs> well, his name was like dr or anything really like 1320 something was his name it is 1320 racer on drr yep. I, I used to go there a bunch growing up, and he was – I mean, he was an asshole when I was 10, so he's still going to be an asshole when I'm 26. Well, if you get banned from Yellow Bullet, you got to put some effort in. <laughs> you get thrown off of DRR, you really had to put some effort in. Yeah. If you get thrown off of any website, you're probably a fucking asshole. Jake, you've been thrown out of racetracks and restaurants, and uh, <laughs> the list goes on. I mean, we – I can remember getting thrown out of a casino with James Ogden, but that's a whole nother story. But at the end of the day, um, Ed and I, we don't agree on a lot. And if you want to insult someone or, or degrade someone or bully someone, not on my watch. I don't care if you're 300 pounds and six foot eight, you're going to have to whip my fat short ass. <laughs> that's what it is. It ain't going to happen. So Jake, I didn't even know y'all had history. I just thought it was a dick. 
I used to watch y'all uh, y'all go at it from time to time. Before I realized that uh, everybody was on Facebook because I didn't do social media, I was I would check the DRR site, you know, once a week or a couple times a week, and I would see everybody arguing with Ed. And then I finally met his son, and I got to meet him in person and stuff. And I only got to talk to him for a short period of time, but I've had a lot of communication with his son. His son's a good guy, and I don't think he's as bad in person as what he would agitate people oh, on, on DRR. But that's what I've been told. The guy's got some knowledge, you can tell. But but man, he could light up some people quick. It was amazing to see how fast he could destroy a thread and just get flaming. So yeah, Scott Lemon might like him though, because that probably got him a lot of. Uh, web hits on his, on his site. And it is views. He is views in a bottle. He creates views. He creates turmoil. He creates train wrecks. He creates, uh, people are going to see what he said next to me or what I said back to him or uh, he, I'm not the only one he argues with. I don't argue with anybody else there. I'm pretty, pretty laid back. I mean, I I'm remember gonna, him. He gave you a hard time about your toll bill and you guys went back and forth about the toll bill or something. And, Oh, he said something recently about Corey, uh, or I said we were on a thread where CV shafts, you know, Mark Williams now doing the GOAT scenario. And I run the GOAT shafts in the in the American car and, and the Ezel car. And I said, you know, he Ed said, I don't need that. You know, it's an expense that I won't get back when I potentially sell my car. But I said, hey, it's not really the expense I was looking at. I was looking at the safety side with the kid in the car. And he got, pops up and says, uh, you of all people have no place to talk about safety where your kid drives these cars. Uh-oh. And I said, your kid crashes golf carts. My kid crashes race cars and wins 100 grand." And we went back and forth on it. Back, and at the end of the day, unfortunately, with the, the incident with his kid in the golf cart, there were some people hurt, and they did go to the hospital, but – Hey man, go after my kid. All bets are off. Go after my wife. Go after my kid. Go after my brother. Go after my family. All bets are off. Um, and I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna retaliate. I'm not gonna take that shit from no one. And he said, uh, "Me and amongst of uh, other racers don't believe he should have even driven the car." I don't remember exactly what he said, but I told him that him and all the other racers that thought what I did was wrong can kiss my ass. And that's just what it's been. That, with you, brother. It's your choice. It was Randy Falk's choice to let y'all take another car. It was your choice and, and yeah. to decide whether yeah, your was, child was going in that race car or not and make those laps. So screw everybody. That was your choice. I get sick of everybody telling everybody how they need to raise their kids. I mean, you go look at their house. It ain't very clean. That's going to be on Chris Galitti's headstone. My kid crashes shit for a hundred grand. What does your kid do? <laughs> Straight and, out of know, Texas. My kid beat up your kid has been pretty popular, but this will take the cake, I think, in the drag racing world. Um, to pull off what the kid did is, is just monumental. It'll go down in the memory banks of all of us, you know, including his parents forever. Um, and I'm proud of him. If he didn't win another race, he's still one of the best racers out there. He's very recognized. Um, and he's got a good attitude. You know, he owned it. He knew he screwed up. He said he screwed up. He owned it. He didn't run away from it. He didn't ignore everybody. And those that want to hate him or hate us, you can hate all you want. None of us really give a shit. I, I um, think Zach and Zach and I interviewed him like a week after that, or a few days after that. And he, yeah. I mean, he that then like like at at that time he was seventeen. Yes. Right. 
And he was the most like mature way we could ever imagine about it. Like at first we thought, you know, he could have, he could fly off the handle here. And he was like, I fucked up. I made a mistake. There was nobody's fault, but my own, you know, it, it happened. There's nothing I can do about it. I can just not do it again. And at like 17, I'm like, Holy, Holy hell. Like it, that's, that's, you're right. You know? And I, I know that it's caused you to lose a little hair. That's okay. But what, other other than like him running out of gas, like what's one thing that he does that just drives you up a wall? Teenagers are dirty. <laughs> I knew that's where this was going. This dude will slob fest the race car like no one I've ever seen. He laughs at me. I'm like, dude, what is this backing up for the burnout? You go through the water. Why are you backing up? Well, I want to get the tires all the way. We have a thousand horsepower. We could do a freaking burnout in the dry paper. Okay, you're just slinging shit all over my car. Pull up, pull out 15 feet from where that water stopped, and then friggin' do a burnout, and the car will stay clean the whole day. Him and Hunter both are laughing. <laughs> Hunter actually puts forth a little more effort than Corey. Corey tells me, Dad, this car is not going to win because it's clean. It's going to win because I made it win. And he, he's, he's, uh, he's picked it up lately. He cleans more. Um, I drove the car last week, right, Ryan? Was it cleaner than you see it than normal? It's a lot cleaner than I usually see it. <laughs> what, what the greatest thing was, I think it was last year in Vegas, we actually got you are the only person I've ever seen that got Nate Dog to clean a race car. Well, Nate Dog, I, I, what did I tell him? I needed the trans out, and I can't stand getting on my back anymore. So I said, Nate Dog, you changed the trans for You helped me change the trans. He said, Oh, I'll change the trans if you clean my car. I had a girlfriend like that once. And he cleaned his car, and I think he liked the way it looked because he started cleaning his car a little more. Not every week, but he did keep the crust off of it. Yeah. No, because there's weeks. At the million a couple of years ago, before that that exciting million for us, first, one of the first ones Corey drove, yeah, the sixth, first one, he was 16. I think we were in one of the surrounding races, and he lets go and gets out maybe three feet and parks the car. And he looks back at me like I did something wrong because I was up there every single lap he made then. Today it's not that way. We're both racing and I'm not always, can't always be there. But he looks back at me and I looked at him. I said, you hit the trans brake. And I, of course, no, I didn't. A <laughs> yeah. second and a half later, it starts rolling. Oh, yeah. Dude, the, the car hit him and then it hit him backwards because he hit the trans brake when he put his hand back on the steering wheel. We, and we promptly put the lockout in the uh, in the box so it couldn't happen again. And he got pissed because he pressed the button and it locked him out. <laughs> and he couldn't you know, get back on it or whatever later in, in time. But um, I remember watching his head face plant into the steering wheel right after <laughs> he left. And I know what he did because I've done it. <laughs> and um, some of those memories of him learning the do's and don'ts, he, he learned the hard way on pretty much everything, you know, from crashing it to parking it to losing a car in the pits, uh, you know, falling, going down the hill. Um, running out of gas. Running out of gas. <laughs> running the truck out of gas, the golf cart out of gas. Uh, the, the, the gas is an issue. We actually check each other with regularity. Um, before we wrap this deal up here, uh, I've got two questions. My first one is – if you could change anything about us going to a bracket race right now, what would it be? Pre-entry. You don't like it? I run a business. 
I don't expect my customers to pay for my business in advance. No, I, 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 I agree. Feel like, I feel like it's got out of hand now. Now it's got to the point to where I'm sinking tens of thousands of dollars in advance up to six months to a year to enable myself to race at a race. That means I'm funding your business. Where's the risk and reward in that? Is there any? It's I, I, think, I think it's going to – something's going to happen where you pre-enter something and something goes under. I don't know who, what, when, where, or why, but it's not, it's not going to be good. And I think that it's going to be monumental when it happens, and I think it'll be the end of all pre-entry. Because how do you throw I, that much? I'm sorry, I had a hunter call and it muted me out. I didn't hear mute. I didn't hear what you said. I, I, I said I think that there's going to be something at some point where we do pre-enter. I I don't know who, what, when, where, why. So I, I already know this is going to get thrown back at me and saying I'm you know trying to start stuff. But we're going to pre-enter something, and and between the time we pre-enter and the race is supposed to happen, they something happens or they go under or something, and it's just going to be over. And I and I I don't want it to happen because I I get the pre-entry point as as a I got to make sure there's enough interest I can pay my payout. But at the same time, you know, we're printing for stuff that's like 10 grand, five grand that if, if the track does take a loss, if they don't have pre-entry, it's because they didn't do their job. They didn't, they didn't put it on a weekend where there was cars available. They didn't put it on a weekend where, you know, whatever, but yeah, I, I, it is out of hand. I agree. And I understand it to a point, but there's past the point where, you know, there's some people that get a little carry away with it. You're right. You know, I think most of the promoters we're dealing with today are on the up and up. There's nobody that would intentionally screw anybody on purpose. They're all pretty much, you know, on, I, I feel like on the up and up, you know, everybody's been questioned at one point or another, but it's an extremely tough deal for me to realize that not everybody can put ten, twenty thousand $20,000 up in advance, a year in advance. So what you're creating is a scenario where, only the wealthy can afford to do this, and that's not what ET bracket racing is about. In my in my humble opinion, ET bracket racing is a fair level playing field. You know, some people are against uh, the the red light to the worst lane. I'm a guy that thinks, and I'm old school. I'm a guy that thinks that's the way it should have always been. If it's supposed to be on a level, fair playing field, the yep. faster car shouldn't have an advantage other than these faster, just because they went red first. Doesn't mean that if I go red worse, I should have, you know, should uh, win because he went red first. That's that's ridiculous. We went up there and we were dialed heads up. What happens? <laughs> you know, what I mean, we still got to dial in and we still got to race after that. Yep, I agree. Red light loses, and that's the way I, I think that's the way it should have always been. But I think that, that I'm, I'm afraid that it is getting to the expensive side of it with the pre-entry. And think about this, guys. And I'll just talk real world numbers. You know, we roll into the million last year and my tab was $10,000. Not everybody can go spend $10,000 at a drag race more than once a year. Okay. Much less in one point. There's many people that are not coming to this race or to these type races. because They don't have $2,000 entry fees and they don't have $500 buybacks and they don't have multiple race cars that, they have backup for, and, and, and it becomes, I don't want it, be, it to become the where the wealthy guy got see, has the advantage. Whether I got more money than the next guy shouldn't really have any bearing on our race. Yep, I, I agree. That's that's the same way. Like, if I didn't drive for, for Victor, I, I wouldn't be anywhere. I'd be announcing it, and I wouldn't be racing anything. 
because that's just, I'm, I can't. And, you know, say people say what it is, but, you know, it's people that don't, don't know what it takes to like actually work on this stuff and, and maintain it. And, you know, the entry fee is expensive, but it's expensive to keep these bitches on the road. Like it, the motorhome, the trailer, the, you know, you know, I learned if you race in Texas, you have to have an air conditioning unit in your trailer because it's 120 degrees outside. I didn't know that until I saw your guys' trailer, by the way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a three-ton air conditioner on the mo- on the trailer and three air conditioners on the motorhome, and sometimes you're still a bit warm. But well, uh, the first time I ever saw you guys, I'm not gonna sweat. First time I saw your your guys' rig, I, I asked Corey, I said, "What's that on the front of the trailer?" And he's like, "The air conditioner." And I was like, "Why?" I said, "You have the toter home." He's like, "We live in Texas. We race in Texas. You've got to have it." I was like, "Well, I, that's newest to me." And I went to Texas to announce a bracket race. Jake, I could not run in the summertime at you know, at my age, at in my fifty, even in my forties, in my twenties, I didn't give a shit. Okay, uh, it didn't matter. I could go race out of a open trailer for three days with no shower. Today, I can't do it. I just can't can't do it. The heat's yeah. too much. Um, it's a big it's a big rig, but. Man, without the accessories and the amenities, I don't think our success would be as good either. You, you go s- sit out at a 105-degree temperature day. Glenn Horn's been in Dallas. He knows how hot it gets over here. You go running 100-plus degrees for three days, and it takes a lot out of you to do that. Yeah, I, I announced I announced one race in, in Texas where uh, I think Chris Billity won or run it up one of the days. He won Corey the yeah, Corey tried to do a burnout on the dirt bike that he was getting collared at to quit doing burnouts on in the winter circle. But that was the last race they won. Yeah. Uh, Starting to piss me off. It was hot that weekend. It was. It was. It was warm and Dallas is known for it. So Did it was Glenn Houston Horn, with humidity. Gleghorn crashed a pinto without hitting anything every time down the racetrack. My la- my last question is, I-, I ask this to a lot of a lot of our guests. If if you were a hornet in the racing industry, who are you standing first? If I was a what? If you were a hornet in the racing industry, who are you standing first? Corey Galletti. <laughs> <laughs> is that because he's a prick? No, just to show him who's the boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just like last weekend. <laughs> I thought he already answered this earlier, and he went a whole different direction with it. So, Yeah, it's not Ed. It's not Ed, it's Corey. No, how can I freaking – I don't even know the guy. All I do is argue <laughs> with him on the internet. Um, uh, well, which is entertaining, by the way. We may become very good friends down the road. I've had that happen with many, many people I've had uh, disagreements with. And you know what? A close friend is someone you can agree to disagree with. Uh, I don't, I don't know Ed. I don't disagree. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of his views, and we disagree on a lot of things. But two grumpy old men are going to argue. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. what, what are you now? How, how old are we now? I'll be fifty-three coming up. Oh man! Oh man! So Corey was an accident. Corey was late. <laughs> and Corey's the youngest. I have another one that's twenty-six years old. Yeah, but you. You, Chuck's my age. Yeah, Chuck yeah. saved me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. He had no interest in it to this day. still doesn't. You paused. That was a good pause before you answered the Corey <laughs> question. You hesitated, so we know the real answer here. Um, 
You know, I, I actually got pumped up for racing Corey, and I didn't perform as well as I wanted to. My brother and I, when my brother and I, we haven't raced in many, I'm sorry, in many years now, but we had some doozies in top sportsmen. We had some, some good races. Like racing my brother as well. Well, that's that's all I've got for you. I, I appreciate you coming on and taking time out of here. Your oh so busy quarantine life down there in uh, Texas that opened up, and we're all still quarantined ish. But um, tell Jerry we said hi and have a wonderful evening next to your waterfall and your pool and all that bullshit. Thanks, guys. We just moved. We were getting a little settled in. I uh, got some construction going on around here, and I got quite the mess. Uh, we appreciate yeah. you coming on, taking the time with us. It was a lot of fun sitting down with you, Chris. For the people that don't know, Chris had to, Chris had to move inside because his waterfall from his pool was too loud, so he moved to his office. It was it was raining. It was starting to get crappy. It was going to be better inside. Plus, I could show off a few trophies, so it was, it was, I was good as I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it weren't a chain like that. Nobody wants to pull up next to you in the staging lanes anyway. Hey, this will be this will go down. Everybody will remember it. Yep. <laughs> all right man thanks we appreciate you all right guys you take care now good talking to you you thanks, too chris all right bye the all right OG. guys yeah og that, for sure that dude's just cooler than shit like there's nothing else you can really say about chris Collette. he's just cooler than shit yeah and and you know like you know he's a cool dad whenever he like embarrasses the shit out of Corey, and Corey just puts his head down yeah and <laughs> it's like it's like young buck like yes we know you're good at this but i am still your father and that's the yeah. greatest part i love every bit of the every bit of those oh, and he's man. pretty good too i mean he won several big races last year uh so it's not just Corey doing the suck. winning no he no, does not he, doesn't suck. Suck. he, no, he, he no. used me at lufkin last year just completely used me and we'd sat around for about 15 about 45 minutes talking before like the third or fourth round and then we pull up in the lanes and get each other, and he just wore me out. And and he was very polite after the fact. <laughs> so. And and that's you know that's really the way he is. He doesn't really rub his success in your face until you come and start talking to him about yours. And he's like, it's just the way he is. Like if if you go up and say, hey man, that was a good race, he'd say, hell, I got lucky or, or whatever. But the minute you walked up there, said, oh, I had you. Uh, he'll 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 tell you what you had, and it wasn't it wasn't him. You know, yeah. <laughs> and he's just he's just awesome to be around, and he makes he makes everybody around him better. And that's just you know it, we we need more Chris Galitis in the sport before the sun goes down because then he kind of just gets grouchy. Yeah, it's oh. fun listening to him talk about going out there and going teens and twenties and turning on wind lights and Hunter and Corey getting mad at him because they're out there trying to double O take double O, and it's just uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more than one way to turn on a wind light. So no, it's. Uh, I've been, I don't even know if blessed is the right word, but I've got the opportunity to travel in that group, and he's just, he's the coolest dude. It's the funniest stories have, have come out of that camp, and it's stuff I'll remember the rest of my life. It's not that, you know, it's not that he's just, you know, a funny guy to hang out with. Like, he, he, he he's blessed, you know, I mean, he makes, he makes good money. I mean, obviously, they've got all nice equipment and stuff, but he's not greedy with it, like, there's stories of you know him putting people in races and them winning a lot of money and he just tells them oh you earned it it's yours you know whatever I don't need it you know you won that money I, I had a chance to win the money too and I didn't it's yours and you know just to give people opportunity just like that you know you know he's a good dude and you know he could have been greedy with with those situations he could have 
taking money whenever he invested. But you know, if if you earn it, I and in in his eyes, you know, you you earned it. It's yours, and that's that speaks a lot about his character. I think. They're definitely good people. They're tough racers, and uh, they're good for the sport. So love racing with them and hanging out with them when I can. And glad to have him on here. I think we've wanted him on here for a while. So uh, we've kind of gone long here, guys. Let's try to wrap it up, but we can't get away. This is our first podcast we've recorded since the world-famous 2020 Windmill Nationals at Ardmore Dragway. So, Ryan, any thoughts on that race? And uh, we'll wrap this deal up. I'll just I, – I feel like I wrapped it up pretty good in post I made. Um, obviously, thank you to everyone who showed up. It's been a tough year for everybody, uh, not just myself. I know there's a lot of people who haven't got to work. There's a lot of people who haven't got to live lives that they're used to living. Um, and we had, It's no secret we had a massive turnout. Uh, officially, 553 cars went down Saturday in round one. Uh, those are single entries. We don't do double entries at Ardmore. Uh, one round of buybacks. Uh, we finished really late. We worked a lot of hours. Uh, I can't say enough about our racers. I can't say enough about our crew. Um, I put this on the post too, you know, pretty much my entire crew, this is their second job. Uh, they don't do this for a living, but they excel at their positions at Ardmore Dragway because they have a passion for it. And I feel like everyone who works at Ardmore Dragway has the same passion. I'm extremely proud of everyone around me. I'm extremely proud to have the opportunity I have with the Carroll family. Uh, we have another bracket race this weekend. This probably won't get posted before then, but if it doesn't rain, we're going to be racing Ardmore Dragway. And uh, hopefully this is signs of things to come. I saw Darlington had a bunch of cars uh, the same weekend. Um, Single entries only. Yep. And then I saw, who was it? Um, Brainerd had a bunch of cars. They sold out. They are turning people away. And in a world, <laughs> in a world that I thought I'd never live in, I had cars that were going to a race in Georgia that turned around and went to a race in Oklahoma. It's just how weird this whole whatever situation that we're in. That's how weird it is. I'm sharing cars with people in states tens of hours away. Um, it's weird. I hope we get back to normal soon. It was really cool. I had a lot of people who I thought I'd never see at Ardmore Dragway. Uh, Shane Thompson was there. Shane Carr was there. Uh, the whole Richardson family was there. At, Only the second time Edmund said he's ever raced at Ardmore. Yep, that is true. Edmund, Edmund, actually, technically Edmund didn't race. But, uh, and no one knows this yet. We haven't posted points. But Ryan Richardson is the points leader at Ardmore Dragway and Super Pro. Uh, <laughs> it goes Ryan Richardson, Nathan Martin, Hunter Patton. So, it's pretty neat. Uh, I'm excited for the year holds. Hopefully, we have a good year. Hopefully, uh we kick the shit out of everybody at bracket finals when that comes around. Uh, Austin Hayward are coming for your ass. Um, and you know, luck. Yeah. You know, we're ready. Not to worry uh, about Austin. I mean, I don't think they're going to get any races off every time they schedule a race down here. It rains. So, yeah. Uh, you know what? I, God is shining <laughs> on us in Oklahoma and not so much in Houston. <laughs> it's hard true. to race when you have to wear a mask. Well, so, Ryan, I will just say that. You and uh, Will and the track crew at Ardmore did a fantastic job. You know, kept cars going down the track. Uh, everybody seemed to be happy and glad to be there. The facility were, it was nice. Um, it just it was a great time, and it was something pretty special. So you guys did a great job managing all of that. Not sure you expected 550 cars, but uh, somehow y'all found a way. No, uh, I texted. I was going back and forth with Seiple during the week. I told him I was thinking like 300 to 350. He goes, you're going to have over 400. 
I told him he was crazy, you know. That's the medicine talking, like, whatever. He goes, you need to prepare for over 400 cars. And we luckily we did. Uh, and also, just really special shout-out, uh, and I know Jake will feel this one. Like, I hired Bob Aquifer. He's the only announcer I've ever hired before to work one of our races. Uh, and he sacrificed his voice because my stage lane guy went down uh, Saturday night, and I ran the lanes. And Bob announced everything from about – eight o'clock until five o'clock in the morning. So he, he didn't have much of a voice left when he left Sunday. Uh, and I, I appreciate that forever. Cause I know what that and, takes. And I, if I know uncle, like, like I, I think I do, he was probably not as happy with himself as he usually is because he doesn't know the story. Like he does with everybody at every Lucas oil series race ever. You know, that dude yeah. could tell you how many times that guy's been married how many to- squares of toilet paper he wipes his ass with, and probably what his car is going to run wide open. Yeah, Bob's extremely knowledgeable, which he's been around this deal. I think he told me he said he'd been announcing 35 years. <laughs> me and Jake ain't been alive that long. So, <laughs> no, no, and and I I had seen him a long time ago and did not put a face with the name until a little bit recently whenever I added him on Facebook. The voice isn't what you think he looks like. No, you know, <laughs> he looks like he just came from a ZZ Top concert. <laughs> hey, Bob's a cool motherfucker. Oh yeah, yeah. from that. Uh, I never really hung out with him before until uh, we have a division banquet, and he goes to the meetings every year. And I hung out with him, and he's he's pretty cool. I'll nice. I'll hang out with Bob Unkerfer anywhere. It was a familiar voice uh, being there, so that was kind of cool. But all right, guys, I got to run. Another good uh, podcast. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Subscribe, dragchamp.com slash subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss anything. Uh, The May issue of the magazine is coming out soon. Check out Drag Champ. Follow us, like us, share us, uh, all that kind of good stuff. Shout out to my kid crashes shit for 100 grand. Your kid ain't nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a hashtag for this one if I can make one that long. That is incredible. I can't wait for David Wright to get a hold of that. There you go. All right, guys. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. See you.